In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God. Amen. Christ is risen. He is risen. Amen. You're starting to convince me that you believe. Beloved in Christ, did you emerge from sleep this morning as one bursting forth with Christ from the tomb? Did you jump out of your bed filled with joy to celebrate the resurrection of Christ our Savior? No, not yet. Something to work on. I remind you, beloved in Christ, that our Lord gave us this life and the resurrection so that we so that we may live. So that we may live in Him and find joy and meaning in every moment of the life that He's given us. We can burst forth as from the tomb from the rest that He's given us the night before, from our complacency, and from all sorts of thoughts that encroach upon us. The tomb calls us back, but cannot hold us. We're a little too slippery now. The grace of God, the oil of His sanctification, has completely encompassed us, and Satan cannot grab hold. Neither can hopelessness. And so, like I said last week, you don't always feel it. You don't necessarily feel it, but we have to strive to believe it. That Christ indeed is risen. That He's risen and He's our purpose. When God grants us the strength to arise in the morning and to approach the unknowns of another day, to arise as those from the tomb, resurrected from the dead, unto life in Him. It's so beautiful. We have to train ourselves. We have to think about it. We have to worship Him unconditionally and receive with gratitude all that He has given us, joys and trials alike. That's a good segue into... Today's commemoration, I'm holding the Paschal candle today. I don't always hold the candle, but it felt appropriate to hold the candle, this light on the day on which we commemorate the life of our Holy Mother in Christ, St. Fotini, whose name means light. But first, a little story, a little story that came after today's Gospel reading, but was no doubt the byproduct of her fervor. During the reign of Emperor Nero, he reigned from 54 to 68, there had begun a great persecution of the Christians. After two chief apostles, the two chief apostles, Peter and Paul, were martyred, Nero sought to kill all the disciples of the apostles. At that time, There was a man named Victor who had been victorious in war against the Avars who were attempting to overthrow the Romans. And for this reason, he became a soldier, even a general of the emperor. 
you know, to be a general of the emperor means to be in the emperor's favor, to be a chosen, a special one. Not knowing that Victor was a Christian, the emperor called him to return to Italy and ordered him to chastise and persecute the Christians that were found there. When the military commander, Sebastian, heard this, he said to Victor, I know very well, O general, that you're a Christian and that your mother, together with your brother, Joseph, are also Christians because they once followed the martyred apostle Peter. Wherefore, do what you were ordered to do by the emperor in order to not endanger your life. Look out for number one. Victor replied, I, I want to do the will of my heavenly and immortal king, Christ. While the command of the earthly king that I chastise the Christians, this command, I say, I cannot even bear to hear it. The commander replied, I'm advising you, brother, as a close friend, to do what is to your advantage. Because if you sit at the judgment seat to examine and chastise the Christians, know that you will please the emperor and the wealth of the Christians will be yours. Furthermore, write to your mother and brother, telling them not to boldly teach the Greeks to deny their ancestral religion, paganism, so that you will not be in danger on their account, but rather keep your faith in Christ as a secret. As you will. Victor responded, Okay, finally you got me. I'm, no, he did not. <laughs> May it not be that I should do to you as you have spoken to chastise the Christians in order to gain from them, to advise my mother and brother not to proclaim that Christ is God. For I also am a voluntary preacher of the divinity of our Christ, as they are. The commander said, I've advised you as to what is to your advantage. You, however, can ponder about what you will do. When the commander said this, straightway he was blinded. Due to the exceeding pain in his eyes, he fell to the ground and remained mute. Those who were nearby lifted him up and placed him in a bed where he remained for three entire days without uttering a sound. After three days, he cried out with a loud voice, One is the God of the Christians. Victor all the more quickly went to him and asked, Why have you changed your mind? The commander responded, Christ calls me, most sweet Victor. Therefore, he was quickly catechized by Victor, baptized, and when he came out of the holy font, he immediately received back his sight and glorified God. When the crowds of Greeks saw this astonishing miracle, they became frightened lest the same thing happened to them, which is why they ran to Victor in order to be baptized. I know the catechumens are thinking, catechized quickly, what? <laughs> no, don't get any ideas. Unless you go blind and something happens, then we'll see what we can do. But this man, Victor, later known as 
Fotinos, son of Saint Fotini. Saint Fotini, after this, and this was the woman whom Christ encountered at the well today. Saint Fotini and her son Fotinos and Joseph, they became incredible proclaimers of Christ, preachers of the gospel. She went to the well that day, not expecting to encounter anything but another routine, laborious task of carrying heavy jars of water. She caught herself in the midst of the mundane, and she found herself being caught by the lover of mankind. She went out as kind of a groomless bride. And who did she find? Who did she encounter? The man she was with, perhaps by this time, he said, I don't trust your level of commitment. I won't take you as my own truly. So just, just live with me so I can get what I want for the time being. It's a mutual agreement to our benefit. Whom did she encounter? She encountered the one who is the true bridegroom, the bridegroom of the souls and bodies of everyone, everyone who has been created by him. She found herself caught in this moment, in this conversation. She was captured by his sweet words, the truths that he spoke out of love, not out of condemnation. And she gave herself over to him, wholly. It reminds me of this little line in the writing of St. Kirill of Jerusalem, talking to those who were drawing near to the church, who were preparing for baptism. And he says, no matter why you're here, whatever your motives may be, well, you found yourself to be caught in the nets of the church. So submit yourselves to be caught. Submit yourselves to be caught. Give yourself over to Christ fully. Last night we heard a beautiful hymn that went like this. The fountain of miracles came to the well at noon. Christ, the fountain of miracles, came to the well to ensnare the daughter of Eve. Once Eve had been driven out of paradise by the serpent's guile. Now a woman of Samaria came to draw water. The Savior saw her and said to her, Give me water to drink, and I will fill thee with the waters of eternal life. She ran to the town and proclaimed to the crowd, Come and see Christ the Lord. He is the Savior of our souls. What I want to focus on today is in learning from St. Fotini and her response to Christ and her sons, especially their response to the call of Christ to himself. We are constantly challenged, constantly challenged by way of 
compartmentalization. So easy it is to be a, a Sunday Christian. To be someone who, I pray sometimes, I pray often, you know, but, but when we look at the lives of those, especially look at this right after the time of Christ and in the wake of the glorious teaching of the apostles, a great persecution against Christians broke out. An age of martyrdom right away. To say I am a Christian was a matter of life or death. The greatest act of freedom we read from the lives of the saints this week. We heard an account of yet another martyr, one of the innumerable who died proclaiming their faith in Christ. And something struck me really powerfully that, like, look at this man, Victor Fotinos. You could have everything you want in the world. Secretly be a Christian. Just hang in there. Maybe your Christ will even save you. Surely he won't hold it against you if you just have a little bit of enjoyment in this life and seek the pleasure of the emperor. It'll be to your advantage and to the advantage of others. What a great deception justification is. Rationalization and justification. Oh, it's just... It's, I'm not really hiding my faith. I'm just... I'm just... Uh, holding on to it for a little while. Until it's time for me to... Re- until tomorrow. Until it's really time uh, for me to speak up. He did not do that. What really struck me this week when we were reading the lives of the saints was that there was, for those who were being persecuted, there was no earthly reward for saying, I'm a Christian. There was no earthly consolation. There was no pat on the back. There was no good for you, good good on you for standing up for what you believe. It was like, are you crazy? Yeah, I am crazy about our Lord Jesus. I want to live with him. I want to be with Him unto eternity. I want Him and Him alone. There is no consolation that this this world can offer me that would cause me to deny His name. But for us, the question is always, but is there? But is there in any way something that would entice me away? Lord, while I have the freedom to follow You without any incredible, intense persecution, without any intense pressure from those around me. Help me to develop an understanding of what it means to truly die to myself. Kuri and I were talking this week about how we always say, oh, if I were in that situation, I would. I, oh yeah, I would stand up and proclaim Christ. I would. But in what ways are we high, tucking Him away in our pocket right now? To ask ourselves that, constantly challenge ourselves is the greatest privilege for me to be able to say that I am a Christian, seeking no earthly acknowledgement or reward, knowing that anything that comes as a result of that is the work of Christ, be it a harvest that draws many people to the faith, 
or be it my own death which leads me to the heavenly kingdom. No matter what it is, it's always the work of God and not of me. It's just me giving myself over to Him. Dying to myself that I may arise in Him. We cannot live compartmentalized lives. We cannot. Christ belongs everywhere in our life. There's no place in our life where He should not be invited. He does not belong. Secularization is an incredible influence on us. The idea that we don't really need we don't really need God. We have what we need and more. And if we suffer loss, where do we seek its fulfillment? Often in temporal things. The first sign of illness. Do we even pause for a moment to invite God's healing first? I heard someone shared a beautiful story with me this week about a priest and a, a, a surgeon in an Orthodox country, who understood that all illness and all trial, all corruption is a result of the sin that has been invited into the world. And this this, uh, surgeon said, I will perform surgery, but you have to go to confession first. You have to go to confession first and ask God for forgiveness. Then we can focus on the temporal things. Deal with what is eternal, first and foremost. Then I'll see what I can do. But surely, he was thinking, I can't save you. No surgery, no medication that I can give you. Christ alone is the Savior of the world. And I'm concerned that we often turn on God as if turning on a TV channel or a live stream or whatever it may be. But the life according to the gospel is a fullness. The gospel isn't something we merely read. The gospel isn't something we just read, but it's something we become, hopefully. We become a living gospel. We become a living good news. A living hope. A living witness. A living reconciliation. A living peace that passes understanding. Not not on account of ourselves but on account of Christ who is in us if we allow Him to be. We become a living, incorruptible consolation. We might even become a living love ourselves. St. Fotini inspires us to understand that Christianity isn't just something that we do, but it's who we are. But the challenge comes in that we have to believe it. We have to believe it. And this belief is something that we have to constantly cultivate by way of remembrance. We have to call our wayward mind back. Over, Where are you going? Come back. Focus on our Lord and Savior again. What is it that you truly believe? How does it come to bear on this situation here and now? Like in that morning, you're feeling tired and down, downtrodden, despairing. Is there a reason for me to get up? Easy enough to say no. Nothing really matters. But it does matter. As I love to say, the Lord has granted me another day. Even if I struggle, let me struggle to arise to proclaim His resurrection. God is here. There is nowhere where He is not. 
And His will can be done here and now. Wherever this may be, in this interaction that I'm having right now, in this task that I'm doing, God can be here in this loneliness or anxiety that I'm going through. Are you here, God? Yes, I'm here with you, my beloved child. Whatever it may be, His will can be done now. Now, if I continue to submit myself to be caught by Him. He will not steal a heart that will not be stolen. So please long to have your heart stolen in such a way. In today's story, we see an interaction between the bridegroom and his bride. He wedded himself to her in the way that each wandering and aimless soul is longing to be wed with its creator and bridegroom. I remind you also that when we wed ourselves to him, we become wedded to one another. May it be so that we might be inextricably bound by the grace of the Holy Spirit to one another and a witness to the unconditional love of Christ, of His forgiveness, proven by His resurrection, and the reconciliation that is supernatural. It's not a worldly one. It's not just because we choose each other. No, it's because we choose Him. Today's epistle reading says the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. We like that in the Antiochian Orthodox churches. What a precious heritage we have. What it seems is meant as a derogatory name calling. Those little little Christs, little Christ followers. It's become the greatest privilege to those who follow Jesus to be called a Christian. Just as our Lord was crucified in the most shameful manner, enduring an inglorious crucifixion, and He turned that weapon of torture into a new tree of life, likewise those called little Christs, as if being made fun of, received it as those who are really unworthy to be even likened to Christ. What a privilege for you to refer to me as one who is even associated with Jesus Christ. A compliment it is to have the name Christian. They were originally called Christians in Antioch, but what of today? Do they know that we are Christians in Briar, in Linwood, in South Snohomish County? Might we come to be known as Christians here on account of our unabashed and unconstrained commitment to Jesus Christ? At the end of the Gospel reading, we heard... It is no longer because of your words that we believe. We have heard for ourselves that people were telling St. Fotini, not just because of what you told us, now we've heard from the words of the man himself, Jesus. And we know indeed that he is the Savior of the world. What we heard today, it is not only because of your words that we believe, but really because we've seen for ourselves We've heard, we pray now that those who see us, beloved, that they would see for themselves our manner of life, our unconditional love, our commitment to one another by way of forgiveness and long-suffering. I hope they might say, now we see for ourselves 
what it means to be called a Christian most truly. And then to say, can I have that too? I long for that as well. Remember, beloved in Christ, it's not you who snatches the soul or grabs the heart of another. It's always Christ by the Holy Spirit, but He can do it through you if you believe in Him. If you're willing to be like that woman so full of joy who had been wedded to the bridegroom of souls, let us wed ourselves to Him and proclaim to the world, come and see the one who told me everything that I ever did. Come and be known most truly that which you're longing for cannot be fulfilled in anything earthly, but only in uniting yourselves to Him, the Savior of the world, whom we now know as Jesus Christ, who was risen from the dead, trampling down death by death, and upon those in the tombs bestowing life. Christ is risen. He is risen.